This record is intended to help young people solve some of the personal problems that they're faced with. No one person lives in a vacuum. Everything you do has a definite effect on many people. Hello, John J. Thompson here, welcoming you to another episode of the True Tunes podcast, one that I have been looking forward to since we started this thing. I first met Jason Petty, known professionally as Propaganda, at a late night rap showcase at South by Southwest back in 2013. He and Lecrae were the only gospel-driven artists on the bill that night, and they were amazing. I had been aware of Prop's work as a spoken word artist, even going back to his days with the Tunnel Rats. But to see him command that club that night was mind-blowing. In the years since, I've become a bigger and bigger fan. You soon find that socioeconomic status does nothing for his skin color. To them, he's just a well-dressed coon whose parents got lucky. He's the butt of subliminal jokes, like his friends refer to rap as jungle jive. They see him and go, yo, homie, yo. That's how y'all talk, right? He's checked out. He's found other outlets. His good grades don't fix his depraved brain. He believes the gospel of young money, huh? YOLO, yo. And as your mama drops you off at the mall, remember as you scope out them dunks, and every bite you take of that number one animal style is a bite you stole from your daughter's tummy. Them dunks is about a month worth of diapers and food you finna put on your feet. Homie, this is your fault, your job, your responsibility. Don't get mad when mama don't give you 20 bucks. It's your turn. I don't know what to tell you, and I ain't got an answer. Prop is a poet, author, political activist, husband, father, academic, and MC with a new book and music project out called Terraform. He uses the image of creating a space for life to thrive on Mars as a metaphor for the kind of work people of faith should be doing right here and now on Earth. He is as provocative and relevant as ever, but in many ways, this multimedia project presents his impressive intellect and generous heart, not to mention his prodigious musical skill in the most compelling way yet. You know, if we're not careful, Mars will be just another gold rush. Just another gold rush, another pre-Columbian America. You know, if we not careful, Mars will be just another gold rush. Just another gold rush. Another pre-Columbian America. Scraping, raping, scratching, gouging. Making up lines, then screaming mine in the newly formed oxygen. Tapping planetary veins in search of arrogance in the forms of rocks. Imaginary wealth, you know the real millionaires Are the gold rush for the shovel salesman I think we going about this all wrong We going about this all wrong A bit later, we'll crank up the jukebox and take a listen to another gospel-informed artist making socially engaged and confrontational art, Midnight Oil As Peter Garrett and company prepare to put that amazing band to rest we'll consider the impact of their work, past and present The Breakfast Creek Hotel Make the 
kicks off right after we take care of a little bit of housekeeping. Hello, my name's Rob, and I'm one of the Patreon backers of the True Tunes podcast. I'm honored to invite you to join me in support of True Tunes by signing up on their email list. I know email is often annoying, but by being on the list, I get notified when new episodes drop and when new articles get posted at truetunes.com. Sometimes, John even sends out short notes and gives away records and swag and stuff. Super cool. But really, the point is that by staying directly connected, I know that they don't have to pay Facebook or anyone else in order for me to hear from them. And that's important. They don't send out too many emails either, and I'm always happy to get them. So really, it would be helpful if you'd join me over here. You can find the sign-up link on the front page at truetunes.com. Oh, and don't forget to add John's email address, jjt at truetunes.com, to your contacts so that the emails don't get caught in your spam filter. And if you have any feedback on the show or questions, you can email him and he'll get back to you eventually. Thanks for listening. Hey, tell me the city sings a song and you can't help but sing along. I be looking in their eyes like, I'm sorry, you dead wrong. Like we came from birth sinning and very meager beginnings, where all we had was spam and an interceding grammar. And I tried to read the word but didn't understand the grammar, till his grace came and gave me a new brain. But you cannot tell me that poverty is bigger than sovereignty. We lived in the same projects as you, lived right next to you, dodged the same bullets. I've even spent time in the burbs, that's my word. And when you born off a laundry with drugs and money launderers, now a husband and a father, that's proof that God loved you. See, we chose not to slay, and that gave me much more bravery than them OGs would ever give me credit for. Cause the road was so lonely, we had God only, and fools would creep by slowly like, what up, homie? I've been wanting to have propaganda on the show since we started. He is absolutely one of my favorite hip-hop artists and thinkers on the scene over the last decade or so. His take on social issues and his melodic and organic musical accompaniment favorably recalls the groundbreaking work of Arrested Development and De La Soul. I thought about just sitting down with him at the Audio Feed Festival in July, where we will both be present, but I really didn't want to risk it not working out. So, join me now in the True Tunes virtual interview suite and enjoy. So, man, propaganda! Thank you for being here on the True Tunes podcast. It is awesome Yo. to see you, even if it's on a little screen. I know, right? Thank <laughs> you. We was having some some really stupid technical difficulties here that yeah. made for stupid things that have to change. And stupid. <laughs> it's kind of funny how you know we're sitting here talking to each other on our computers, looking at screens from all the way across the country, and. Mm-hmm. It's a miracle that that even works. And yet when something doesn't work, it just makes me furious. Like I expect yeah, you're everything. Like, I'm entitled to. Absolutely- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I am absolutely entitled to speak with clarity and visual connection to people all over the planet. And you can't take that right from me. What, what is absolutely. that? <laughs> Man, exactly how I feel. 
So uh, first things first, what coffee have you had so far today? Uh, man. A big thing for you. There it is. <laughs> Third cup. Third cup. Just don't drop the phone into the coffee. That would be right. Perfect. Third cup of coffee. Oh my god! All right, I was trying to have my charger on. Okay, never mind. All right, third cup of coffee. Uh, let's see. I did spill some on myself just now. This is a great podcast. Uh, this is the best. I had two. I had basically two V60, so two pour overs, and then this is a espresso shot of the same El Salvadorian uh, mm-hmm. bean from this roaster called Manhattan Roasters. Uh, so I'm drinking good, and I'm drinking too much, apparently. <laughs> That's all right, man. Have you ever gotten into roasting coffee at all? Bro, I I, uh, I feel like it's a whole other art form, so I'm like, I've kind of been staying away. Uh, one thing I did do, though, was like, I wanted to teach myself how to do like the old school, like Ethiopian sort of coffee right. ceremony, like roasting over open coals. I've done that once or twice, and I think like if I am going to roast, I want to roast like that. I'll be standing in the mirror, thinking about my life phases, practices saying phrases like I'm wrong, I'm sorry, I love you, I'm down for that duo, but wisdom hiding in my smile lines, promise very little worth losing rally over, I remember in them days up under the lustful gaze of the sun of the morning, looking like prop that easy come up, but I was thinking my ways was anything less than praise of the God of thunder, lightning, and wonder, funny I might have been self-defeating, self-misleading, missing hang time, afraid to miss meetings. I love the account you have of the Ethiopian coffee ritual. They, that's obviously the birthplace of coffee. Yeah. Um, they really respect the ritual and the sanctity yes. of, them, of, and it's the moment between people. It, tell me, tell me about when, when you had that experience in Ethiopia. Oh man, besides just like weeping uncontrollably by the beauty, you know, and then just my own sort of historical kind of like ancestral connection to the place which i found out after i left you know that like i did have that but just yeah like the the idea that like first of all inviting you into the moment is a position of honor you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like i was told by the locals like yo if they're giving if they offer you tea they're just being polite because it's fast you know saying but if it's like yo you want some coffee it's like oh this is like an hour Right. situation so it's like sit down get comfortable we want to talk you know and so when that when that happened you know uh again like just waterworks like i can't believe this is really my life right now you know and um yeah it was just very emotional and it was and like at the end ultimately like probably the best coffee i've ever had you know they're roasting it in the fire and it's going to be a pretty dark roast and then they're going to use it right then yeah immediately um, yeah. And, and I remember being in Mexico many years ago, uh, documenting stories of what some uh, medical missionaries were doing down there. And at one point, we're, we're in the middle of the desert, in the Baja Peninsula, and we go visit this church, in quotes, because their church was a slab of concrete that had been poured down in the middle of the desert. And so they could build mm-hmm. a tent on it, right? They, yeah. To them, that was the most – it was a big project to bring that concrete all the way from La Paz hours into the desert, set it down. It was a community effort. They were so proud of that thing. And when we visited with this rancher and his, his wife, uh, they made coffee by grabbing, um, coffee from a a bag or a canister 
and throwing it in a pot. It was already ground up and they threw it in a metal pot on an open fire and just let it boil. And then they just poured it. There's no filters. There was no nothing. It was just, and they had somehow in the middle of the desert, they had these beautiful China cups that somebody had given them as gifts, old kind of cracked here and there. Um, and having that coffee, there was so much that we would think, oh, this is wrong, you know, but the moment was so sacred and so beautiful. Yeah. Think about like the the first time you remember thinking there's more going on here than what meets the eye as a kid or at what point in your life did you start thinking something like coffee was worth investigating and thinking deeper about? Well, definitely not as a kid. Um, coffee, as far as like something more going on, I mean, it started with touring, you know, when you are just like shoving whatever you can into your body so you can stay awake for the drive, you know, right. um, right. And then once you get to a place, finding somewhere to kill some hours that has good Wi-Fi, you know, and, right, right. and you're just trying things and you start noticing, for me, it was like, I started noticing the art of brewing coffee mm-hmm. and that it was tasting different. And I was like, man, that's, there's really an art form to this. And then when discovering it came from Africa and it only grows at the equator, that's when like, that's yeah. when the light switch hit where I was like, oh, Oh, it's something else here. So I think once finding out it was from Ethiopia was like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's something else going on here. And then looking around and being like, yo, this is like a remarkably white space. Like there's only white people here. You know what I'm saying? And being like, oh, y'all consuming black products. All right. Now we're on to something. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Yeah. Whole city. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) We are the culture. Man, how you finna hate whatever God got planned? How I'm supposed to chase what I already am? We are the culture. Whole city. We are the culture. What up, cuz? You got them loving your bubbling, throwing dubs and doubling. What up, bud? You got them flying in just to say they've been up Hampton. What up, homes? You originated teardrops on our faces. What all oos? Now even the cartoons got tribal tattoos. We ain't worried about y'all, whatever y'all got in stores. Make the thing hot, whatever we say goes. Uh, one time for the vatos, the palindero. One time for the homegrown, the West Coast. Them yo dances and Cortezes and T stances. Pendleton stickies, white tees with starch creases. Yeah, that's you, Hina, with the winged eyeliner. You should tell the fashion blog, my tia did it before. Man, yo. we all just a kid from somewhere. We're part of town of Hood or Street or Avenue. Oh, yeah, you muscle up your hustles, take it every year. Advances. Now the whole world doing your dances. We are the culture. Whole city. You know, my father was a Black Panther. My father had me um, learning things well before people of my age were learning things, you know, and uh, sort of understanding the world and what it meant to be a global citizen. Like, I, yeah, I was learning that stuff way young. And I think as a my first love being visual arts, so as like an illustrator, like you're, you're, if you're going to draw, you have to observe and you have to observe well. So I think that that muscle of observation sort of translated into from like just visual to like cultural, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, seeing things from multiple angles and understanding things from multiple angles. Like, I think that that was something I've always from that young age of like my dad making me like write book reports to him. You know, not even to my school, but like to him, you know what I'm saying? 
plus like enjoying like figuring out how to draw stuff and that was just from like observing closely uh i think that's probably like the origins dear board of education so are we <laughs> so are we at no point in the lives that we actually live do we sit in rows and listen to pontifications at no point did mama pass written exams out on how to wash the dishes no she pulled a stool up next to her at the sink handed us a dish rag like watch how mommy does it now you try learning by doing such a crazy idea it might work them stools felt like magical ladders into an altered universe into the grown-up world informational portholes wormholes into other places where kids were equals being made privy to information only those with driver's license and facial hair had who knew we were learning no clue pops was teaching us time management and budgeting miniature project coordinators he said i'm gonna show you how to do these chores and if they're done when i get home then that allowance is yours maybe some ice cream's involved too remember when we were in kindergarten and you had to learn about worms yeah you went outside and you played with worms what a novel idea dear board of education This book, uh, Terraform, such a great example of the call for us to create space for life and community to thrive. I mean, I, just, yeah. I love it. And I love the metaphor of Mars, like trying to make a place. And it might be easier to build a place for life to thrive on Mars than on Earth right now. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Like, things are so divided. Yeah. Is this book, because it includes poetry, it includes lyrics from some of your songs it includes these essays even sketches yeah um, so t how did this come together is this kind of a culmination of what you're talking about it or is it something yeah you've been on for a i long think time? uh my manager a couple years back kind of asked me like hey what do you want to talk about for the next 10 years mm. and i was like 10 <laughs> you know <laughs> uh so i was like dang this is like so we're talking like this is an opus like all right this is like i need to this need to be like a master thesis here so when i came across that term terraform um i was like okay the term is pregnant enough it's big enough to fit 10 years of content in and i think um as far as like the layout of it you know people have been asking me to write a book for a while but i just knew i didn't want to write a standard book I was like, that just doesn't excite me. And I was like, I knew I wanted the book to be poetry and short story. And the illustration was just like, again, it's my first love. So I was like, I want this, I want this book to be art. And sometimes that's like to my detriment, you know what I mean? So now I'm like, I don't know. When I walked into the bookstore to try to see my book on the shelf, I was like, I don't know what shelf it's on. You oh, know, yeah. and I was like, where? You're lucky to have found a bookstore too. Yeah, yeah. There's a few like like <laughs> indie ones around the way. And I was like, where does this go? You know, and, and I ended up finding it in essays. Well, there's a like, section for essays. Yeah, I know. That whole, but like I said, it was an independent Didn't bookstore. So I was like, yeah, right. You would have a section for essays. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But right. uh, yeah, so I, I think the way it cobbled together was more of a reflection of like, I just, I like stuff that whatever it is, that it's also a work of art, you know?
I've written a few books and it's no small feat. And I, I'm a music guy, you know, it's like it, being an author is not my core gig, right? So yeah. when you're trying to do something as big as write a book in addition to everything else that you're trying, especially you with with your schedule, tell me tell me how it actually came together. Cause it's, it's remarkably well written. Thanks man. You're articulate and then you're able to use language and alternate spellings so that it really flows like a conversation. I can hear your voice in the yeah. pages. But gosh, yeah, this some is of the like 260 pages of, of this stuff. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of work. Well, there's wide margins. So it's like, that's going to get you a lot of pages. Uh, but uh, no, I think that uh, the tone and the way that it's like, well, this is clearly my voice. I think some of that was just because. I didn't know any better. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is just, oh, I didn't know how to not write any other way. You know what I'm saying? So right. that I've gotten that compliment a lot. Like, man, it feels like I'm just sitting down and talking to you. And I was like, oh, cool, cool. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you are. I, didn't, I didn't know how else to write. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. so there's that, you know what I'm saying? But I think um, really what, what had me sit down and focus was, I mean, it was the pandemic. Like, we, it was nowhere to go. You know, so I was like, it was hard to write raps at that time. Like, you know, if you got to stop and make like, you know, dino nuggets for your daughter, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, well, can't really get in, can't really catch a vibe with the music. So I, I but I could write poetry, I could write stories right now, you know, so really just having that time at home, you know, like was how I was able to like, you know, knock it out. Let me tell you about the second whitest email I've ever gotten. If you're lucky, one day I'll tell you about the whitest email I've ever gotten. It came from what turned out to be a phenomenal organization called Great Objects, a part of the Gates Foundation, that does remarkable justice work across the globe. Little did I know at the time, the Gates in the Gates Foundation was Bill Gates. He wanted to meet me once, but... I didn't connect the dots until much later. Stupid prop. I digress. Back to this extremely, utterly white email. Now, some of you might be asking, what in the world is a white email? That's a fair question. After all, emails are not persons. Therefore, they can't claim any socio-ethnic ties. It's ridiculous to call objects a race. Race, of course, is a social construct anyway. However, objects can have characteristics consistent with characteristics of a group of people. For example, I shop at black stores all the time. What makes a store black? The items that are sold there like Blue Magic, Royal Crown, TCB, and Flatirons. Don't know what I'm talking about? I'm not even going to tell you. Just know these things are vital for the survival of black people. We know exactly what to do with these products. Confused? That's the way I felt about this email. The email was inviting me on an all-expenses-paid camping trip in a forest located a couple hours outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Now, stop right there. You tell me how wise it is to follow white people 
into the forest outside of Nashville, Tennessee. That was a clip from the Harper audio version of Terraform, Building a Better World by Propaganda. We'll link to that on the show notes page for this episode. When you sat down and said, okay, I'm, this is going to start to come together, uh, this picture of Terraform, um, and then applying it to these different areas of life and activity, and even giving people homework, um, how did that... Uh, organization evolve in your mind mm-hmm. like how to apply that metaphor yeah the homework actually my my manager thought of that too because one thing that I'm like you can never accuse me of is making something simple you know what I'm saying like and that's his <laughs> right. thing he's always like yo like it's gonna take me so long to understand what you're talking about you know what I mean mm-hmm. my boy DJ Promo, like one of my closest friends he's like I still finally understand I Am Becoming, which was like an, a book I wrote of just poems in 2015 that we self-published. He's like, I just now get the title. Like, oh, wow. oh my God, I Am Becoming. Like, oh, I understand what he's saying. So he's like, so they kept telling me like, that's the way people interact with your work. Like, we know it's brilliant. We won't really know what you're saying until some years later. So right. he was like, man, and and the editor I worked with, they were like, look, like, keep distilling like get it to where this we can get our brains around it you know so the homework was a part of that and some of the you know iterations of stuff was like trying to make it like so applicable to everyday life was was them making me okay distill it some more okay you think you think what you're saying is clear and it's clear it's just it's still it's still way up there bro you know what i mean so well sometimes i think it's because we we have, I, I could be reading this and be thinking he's articulating his thoughts on this concept really clearly. How does this apply to me? Yeah. You know, like, and we don't often do that. We don't always at least do that with books because the point is to read what the author's saying. But I really like how you kind of anchor those things and say, now, before you go on to the next section, take yeah. some time. Yeah. It's a sailor. You know, yeah. it's like, take some time to really think about how this applies to you. Yeah. And it, it grounds it. Stars, vacation in a spaceship, you two fly for cars, somebody breathe the air in Neptune. That's why we named our daughters after sun and moon. That's awesome. I heard your dance moves was notorious. As beautiful as northern lights were more glorious. Sometimes the pull of gravity too strong. We got pride, we got goals, short term and long. Look, all I'm saying is what we made, we gotta sustain. I love it in your galaxy. I'm not one to complain. We all know the reality, nothing like a Cali girl. Don't care about no salary. Not of this world. I get DMs from these young artists navigating industry. Prop, I think that Hollywood is finna be the end of me. How you keep humility? You ain't crazy so far. I tell them, little homie, find you a North Star. You can go. I just look up. I know you right there. We'll be right back with more of my conversation with Propaganda after this. Hey, this is Ray. And I'm a Patreon backer of the True Tunes podcast. I have also left a rating and review of the show at Apple Podcasts. It wasn't that hard. It didn't cost me anything. But this show means a lot to me, and I know that reviews and ratings make a big difference when it comes to how and if others discover these conversations. Would you take a few minutes, maybe even while you're listening, but please not while you're driving, to leave a rating and review? 
Even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, the reviews posted there push out to podcast platforms all around the world. Oh, and take some time to tell your friends about the show. Let's drive those numbers up together. Thanks. Hello, I'm Chris, and I'm a Patreon supporter of the True Tunes podcast, which has quickly become one of my favorite podcasts. I can always expect John's warm voice and insightful questions to draw out the stories, wisdom, and faith of beloved and new to me musical artists. After every episode, I'm always listening with fresh ears to favorite albums or visiting new albums for the first time. It's just like when I used to visit the old True Tune store in Wheaton, Illinois, but now I can visit every week with new episodes. True Tune's Patreon supporters support the show with monthly donations of five, 10, or $20, which helps cover the cost of producing and hosting the show. As a thanks for our support, we get early access to episodes and high quality lossless wave files of each episode that we can download. We also have occasional Zoom meetups, some special live streams, discounts on True Tune swag and more. You can join me and the other patrons by visiting patreon.com slash truetunes or finding the link on the show notes page. If an ongoing patronage thing is not the right fit for you, but you'd like to give us a tip to help with the costs associated with this show, you can find links for that on the show notes page. Thanks and enjoy. Okay, we're back with more of my conversation with Propaganda. So far, as you've been out traveling and you've been around people who have interacted with this book, and you've, are you doing events where you're doing music and you're speaking and you're kind of like, have you, has your yeah, live show I, become I mean, kind of like the book? Yes. Um, there's, hasn't been many because of like, you know, just the slow, like rolling away of being able to be outside. Um, but generally, yeah, it's like, it's not really not much different than like how a show would be anyway. Like if you were to come see me, you know what I mean? Where there is speaking poetry and music, you know what I'm saying? Um, but now rather than that, just being my set, I'm like, well, no, this is, this is the terraform experience. You know what I'm saying? One of the ideas you land on that, that really hit me. And I, I went back and kind of reread some of the sections was this idea of telling better origin stories and revisionist history. And, and, you know, usually you think of a revisionist history as a negative, yes. like somebody has gone back and changed the facts in order to justify what's going on now, which clearly that is a bad thing, yeah. <laughs> right? but you've got a different take on origin stories, identifying better origin stories and revising history. Tell me about how that works in yeah. your mind and the benefit. Of yeah. That. I think that there's this, uh, you know, based on what you're saying, like, yeah, the approach of like the facts of history are set in stone. And there is a arbiter and a protector of who gets to say what those facts are. And from that position, we if we've accepted this as like a fixed piece of information, then anybody else's perspective on that moment is invalid. You know, um, right. therefore, you can form your perception of the present and the future based on these, again, fixed things in the universe, these facts of the past. Um, and I think one being like, yeah, just being like a, 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 a black person in America, I'm already bucking against the idea of like your telling of the past being factual. 
You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I'm not saying what you said didn't happen. I'm just saying that happened from your perspective. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, So, um, and then some of those things are in fact like misreadings or misunderstandings, like the idea that like, yeah, our founding fathers were Christians and they were trying to birth the Christian nation. Let me tell you a story. What if the truths you spoke over your friends and family were more set in stone than what is actually set in stone? Want to hear an even crazier thought? I saw already how you live. True, good, and beautiful stories. I'm aware when you hear the word story, you might associate it with the idea of truth. We often ask if a story is true or fable. I think that's the wrong question though. Let me give you a history lesson. Before the enlightenment, then because of the enlightenment, when we say true, we mean in an empirical sense. Can we measure or verify the factualness of something? For our purposes, The facts of the narrative are not really the point. For example, have you ever tried to recount a significant event and as you are working through the story, you skip over a few parts or don't focus on other parts for the purpose of getting to the point? However, your buddy keeps correcting you like, nah, bro, that wasn't how it happened. It wasn't Sunday, it was Tuesday. Or, nah, dude, your shirt was blue, not red. It's not that your buddy is incorrect. It's just not the point you were trying to make. When I say stories, I mean, what does a story invoke in a person that brings forward the humanity necessary for a more livable world? That was a clip from the Harper audio version of Terraform, Building a Better World by Propaganda. We'll link to that on the show notes page for this episode. I just learned um, recently, I was at a friend's house. He had an old, old book, and it's about African explorers and traders that made it to Florida. You know, so we even have this idea that every person of color in America descends from slaves and that they, you know, then we paint that whole thing with like, oh, savages and primitive cultures and all this stuff. And you find out, oh, no, there were there were explorers here from Africa trading with Native American indigenous people. Yes. Way, way back. And that's never been taught. I mean, not. No, nobody wants to know that one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, all yeah. So, like, so. I, I, knowing I'm doing that already in my own understanding of history, it was like, I never thought about exploring it in my, in my own story. You know what I'm saying? Of being like the things that I've accepted, accepted about, like you said, about black people. But I think in a lot of ways, just about who Jason is, um, came from these like fixed understandings of what I thought to be true. So the example I give, you know, in the book is about one of my aunts, you know what I mean? Who... I thought she had a set of toys just for me at her house. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, my aunt loves me so much. This is so great, you know what I'm saying? And then my sister was like, no, those are 
Chester's. You know what I mean? And I'm like, wait, who? <laughs> She's like, yeah, that's our aunt's stepson. That's our uncle's son from another marriage. And I was like, I didn't know Chester existed. Right. And that's not, I'm like, it's not that I'm changing the past. It's that some new information has been given to me that makes me think about the past differently. So I was like, it's not that my aunt don't love me no more. That's not what happened. It's that her love is greater than I thought it was. Yeah. So that's what a better story is. That's what revising means. Right. You know what I'm saying? You right. know, so like, so if you, so if you're thinking of it as such, then you're like, oh, you know, you can revise for good. Mm -hmm. You can revise for evil. You can revise into lies. Like there's, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't have to, it doesn't have to always be, you know, again, this idea of like, the past is this fixed thing that is what it is when it's like, well, no, like, you know, that's that's what's so interesting about history. History is just is us telling stories about ourselves. Right. I think some people misunderstand because they think, oh, well, this is just about academics trying to figure out what happened before. What does this have to do with me? But you're saying that this process of engaging with our origin stories more mindfully, more thoughtfully actually has an impact on our future. Yes. I mean, it's like just this. I mean, it's it's like if you hold this idea that our origin story as a nation was this was God's plan and we are our manifest destiny. You know what I'm saying? To be this like city on a hill, this beacon of light for the rest of the world, then moving forward into just the eradication of the indigenous is why you would move forward that way. Cause right. you're like, well, this is our origin. Mm -hmm. Therefore there's no problem moving forward, doing anything else. You know what I'm saying? Because we have um, to do this. God told us to do this. Like we have to do this right. or like being, or it's now like our inability to self reflect collectively on like, our little nose is not any more special than anyone else's little nose on the planet. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Therefore, when we move into any sort of like future wars, any sort of like political discourse, it's from this position that we believe this about ourselves. Therefore, we are going to move accordingly in the future. And it's like, well, what you believe about yourself may not necessarily be true. It just mm -hmm. kind of came from the story you didn't tell yourself. So that's what I mean by how it like affects your future. Right. Let me tell you about this shorthand me and you use. It's how we decide if somebody is safe. There's talking points. That's how you know if they in the fence or outside the outside, fence. Outside, outside. Whether you safe or not. I suggest a redo. Cause like it or not, we are all we, we are got. All we got. We are all we got. Cause when your constructs fail, you the ailment feels alien. What is this air we in? How is this fair to kin? Uh. When you a shark being judged on how well you climb a tree, you might as well be a piece of kelp yelping at a blue well. Helpless, toothless tiger with ruthless ire. I almost talked me out of my own desires. You try to tell them you different, made for magnificent. But those with lungs don't get the gill significance. Still standing stands a circumference of your comfort. Wanna say that, then don't invite me to your conference. I'm a speaker to the people defeating their conquistador. Telegraphing no moves, what these blinkers for. Great grandmammy, she managed to manchu you. Consider that an honor if she even stooped to speak. 
speak to you, the least of you You would be surprised what two feet could do One mission execute, I don't know what we meeting for A couple L's will teach you more than any war with liquor store And you don't need a penny more than my chores This is meant to disrupt othering Look across the table in they eyes and see your own suffering People, In my experience, uh, I had a really messed up childhood. My biological father was a sociopathic criminal, you know, lots of trauma there that we had to escape. Now there's, there's stories there. There's a lot that I'd never tell, never thought about, just wanted it to be over with and stuff. And my mom ended up remarrying a great guy who adopted me when I was a teenager. And Mm. enough time goes by that my mom and I were recently together and she would ask me questions like, what's the earliest house you remember us living in or, um, things that would, and I would share what I remembered and she could then say, well, actually this is what happened. Like you, that memory you have is a blend of two things that happened years apart, but in your mind you've merged them. And as a kid with an identity crisis, with fearing that, you know, I might inherit some sort of evil from my biological father, whatever, hearing a little bit more information and then being able to correct my origin story has actually helped me feel a sense of mission and purpose and yeah. peace with myself. Uh, and, but it requires some vulnerability. And it doesn't, doesn't it seem to you that one of the problems that a lot of people seem to have right now is we just don't want to admit we're wrong. We don't want to absolutely ever be corrected. Absolutely. And that's what I'm saying, that that, abil- that inability to self-reflect. But I think that, again, comes from like, the stories we told ourselves and how we shaped our identity. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah, that humility of being like, man, I might be thinking about this all wrong can can add some beauty and can add some pain in the sense of like, yeah, there's some things I may need to change about myself, you know, because I'm thinking about it differently. And, that, and that's, nobody wants to admit that. Nobody wants their identity to unravel. The pain that guides us, the strings that tie us, the coincidence that proves to us God's existence, joy we misplace, beautiful mistakes, huh? the scarlet thread, huh? the crimson cord. Away your scars out loud, that's the fingerprints of the Lord, a crimson cord, baby a crimson cord, a timeline, huh? a scarlet thread, huh? a crimson cord, baby a crimson cord, let me celebrate your crimson cord, and that's beautiful a crimson cord. And you talk about Frankel, you bring up Frankel and his path to meaning. Tell, tell me how that uh, influenced you, because it seemed to tie into this too. I mean, he's smarter than all of us. And I think that like the idea of somebody going through something as vicious as the Holocaust, I think a lot of times, you know, the historical trauma of something like chattel slavery, which I feel like in the in the history of mankind, it's not like slavery is not new, but the type of slavery that was racially based around a white supremacist thing, you know what I'm saying, that you were born into, like the type of slavery that like, you know, the 1619 Project and, and just that type of slavery, like it was singular, you know, in its in its existence in the world. And the idea that that's, that still sits in our psyche and in some, way, some ways in our DNA, that trauma is still there. Uh, it, it's almost like any any black person with any sense would want no interest in the religion of those people. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, why the hell would I ever want to be a Christian? Right. You know what I'm saying? If this is what it makes, you feel mm-hmm. me? So how do you find meaning in that? Like, you know, and uh, and in my mind, I was like, there's nobody I could ever 
I wouldn't trust nobody else except for another black person to talk about finding meaning in pain like this, like a collective meaning. Except for maybe a Holocaust survivor. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. To where you're like, oh, touche. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Which yeah. is, you know, um, which I, I, I like to say, you know, that type of, you know, Nazi fascism and anti-Semitic feelings. I mean, it's fruits. I mean, it's a branch of the same tree that mm -hmm. created Jim Crow and Channel. It's the same, that, that supremacy is still the trunk. It just, because the, Hitler absolutely believed that the Jews were a different race. Like he just, he actually believed that, you know, which of course right. you get in the now you're like, what, you know, right. like they white people. I don't understand what the, you know what I'm saying? Um, right. But um, him believing that and, and this man, you know, not in a very platitude way of like, it was okay. This happened because I was able to find meaning. He's like, no, this wasn't okay. Right. This was evil. And I don't know why evil happened to us. Right. I can't give you no, what was God's plan? It's like, well, that's a shitty plan if that was his plan. You know, right. uh, this it's not that. It's like, it happened. I survived it. I need to find a way to continue to live, mm -hmm. you know? And that sort of, um, fortitude of mind to be like i need to find a way to live you know that's honest was something that i think why i wanted to put that in the book because i'm like i don't want anyone to think that like i'm telling them that their pain you know is transactional as simple as that it's like no what i'm trying to say is like let's let's find a way to be in the world huh. if i was you i would appropriate us too let it sit It's understandably confusing Depending on tool you're using Just come through Alexander Your library drips through these fingertips Mental state miserable Your wings don't fit You bigger than your body Give you credit for A metaphor for how I see us These creatures we settled for We are actually fascinating Actuating you make poverty a play haven, public Indian prayers made of cornmeal and turquoise. Harvesting dreams with the medicine of the Iroquois. Different like the cloth we cut from. A creative nature with the joy we came from. Uh, the truth you can't run from. Uh, the style and finesse are a nectar of a broken neck. You wanna drink the juice but can't live through tight squeezes. But I don't pay the price, I pay dues. But the pain is paint and quit I can't. And your faith is rank and your attitude stank. And I couldn't stand to think the states without my radio cow base trap music y'all crazy black women are north stars if we fallen why do you suppose right now in in the US in particular people are so many people especially christians people that call themselves christians are so afraid of thinking critically about these systems of pain and in our past you know what do you suppose is driving that and maybe also what's the key to get out of that and to find some freedom to, to i can it? answer both of those questions with the same answer i don't know <laughs> man i do not i honestly like it's it's baffling to me i think that there's uh if i were to wax philosophical and, and hypothesize I think there's a reality of, again, like your identity unraveling. And that's like, it, you, like to have to think, especially on the Christian side, to have to rethink 
these things that are seem to be thousands of years of recorded history and truth for someone to say, I don't think so, Jake. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that that's like so absurd because in some ways it's this domino effect. It's like, if I pull this string and, and give to you that, like, maybe I'm thinking about this wrong, then the ever descending sort of, um, logical steps that got us there also have to be unraveled. You know what I'm saying? If this is true, then that means I got to rethink this, which means I got to rethink that, which means I got to rethink this. And now you, now you back hundreds of years, you know what I'm saying? And you're like, I, is the whole thing a lie? And you're like, well, that's unthinkable, you know? Unless you get back to where you say, well, the whole thing starts with Jesus saying, pick up your cross and follow me. And I don't think he meant that as a military strategy. It's not like put the cross in front of Constantine's army and go kick ass for God. It's, it's pick up the own, the means of your own torture and execution. That sounds yeah, like but like, but if you're like, I've been to seminary, my pastor's been to seminary, <laughs> no one's ever said, you know what I'm saying? Then you're right, like, right. I get how me going, all right, what I'm trying to tell you is you're you don't even got to go back that far. You could right. just go back to the election of Nixon and being like, your faith was weaponized as a right. political block. And this, this is why you call yourself that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. You're like, well, I was there. It's like, well, I mean, again, you're not reading your history. You know what I'm saying? Right. If you was reading it, you would know, you feel me? And just like things like that, you know, like your, 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 your precious denomination would have like little barbecues around lynching black people. You'd go to church, come out, have a picnic and lynch somebody. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, yes, that was your church. You know why I know? Because it was happening to us. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And right. that's unthinkable when you're like, accept that it's true. Mm-hmm. You know? So right. Right. having to like wrestle with that is like, yeah, it's an existential crisis. Uh, so I get why nobody wants to go down that path. You know? Now, what's the way forward? I think, again, it's like, you got to look at the void, man. Mm-hmm. You got to stare into the darkness. And being willing and and hell, we've been doing it the whole time. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. So I'm like, you're you're just gonna have to do it. And you know, I think some, some a lot of historians have said that like, you know, America never repented for its original sin. You know, it just never did. You know what I'm saying? Because and I'm saying it never admitted it ever had one. You right. know, so I'm like, if you if you're not gonna do that, then I don't know. I, I don't know. That's why I'm like, man, I don't know the way forward. If that, if nobody's willing to do that, you know what I'm saying? But like I said, if I'm waxing philosophical, I think that's it. But yeah, our, our, where we are politically, I'm like, as a church, you know, as a nation, I'm like, me as somebody who studies history, I'm like, it's, it's the downswing of an empire. Like we're on the downswing. Like this is just, I mean, it's fine. You know what I mean? Like the Dutch exist. <laughs> They were an empire, you know what I'm saying? There's right. such thing as Great Britain, you know what I'm saying? They right. were an empire, you know what I'm saying? Right. China was an empire. Like all these people, they every modern state has crashed. Like it's happened before. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm like, we're we're on borrowed time, guys. And these are all the signs of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm right. like, it's fine. We'll be fine, you know. Uh, but if you're not willing to look at it, then I'm like, we just gonna crash and burn. We're going to step away from our conversation with Prop for just a few minutes and see what kind of good trouble we can get into over at the jukebox. 
All this talk about social issues, history, justice, and the role music can play in the formation of community got me thinking about a band that has been tackling these issues for nearly 50 years. Though they didn't break through to a global audience until their hit Beds Are Burning exploded in 1987, Midnight Oil had been performing soulful, issue-oriented rock for well over a decade by then. They have announced that the tour for their most recent album, Resist, will be their last. So, let me drop a couple of beer tokens into the slot here and see where it takes us. Midnight Oil traces its roots back to Sydney in 1972 in a band called Farm that was formed by drummer Rob Hurst, guitarist James Mogini, and original bassist Andrew James. With the addition of vocalist and songwriter Peter Garrett in 76 and guitarist Martin Rotzi a year later, the group adopted the Midnight Oil moniker and began their long, slow, fascinating crawl to success. The band released their self-titled debut in 1978. Though the album failed to accomplish much commercially, it was enough to help the blue-collar group earn an underground following in their homeland so they could continue to develop. Next up was the album Head Injuries in 79, with better production and songwriting. Place Without a Postcard followed in 81, with even more sophisticated composition and a more textured sound. But it wasn't until 82 and their album 10 to 1 that they really broke through in Australia and on college radio in America. The singles U.S. Forces, Read About It, and Power and the Passion paved the way for the band to enter the global music scene in a big way. In 1987, though, with a visceral music video and a crazy cool hook, an unlikely song about Aboriginal rights became the shot heard and seen around the world. 
The album, Diesel and Dust, dared to confront native Australian particulars, such as that country's complicated and unjust relationship with their First Nations people, as well as global issues such as environmental destruction, nuclear proliferation, and corporate malfeasance. Unlike strict protest music, however, the oils regularly plumbed the recesses of the human heart and imagination, both for the hardest questions and for moments of hope and inspiration. And though Garrett's worldview was clearly informed by his own personal faith, his ability to recognize the caustic role religion was playing in politics and society and the glaring disconnect between the gospel of peace, love, and justice and the practices of religiously motivated socio-political entrepreneurs was difficult to hear but critical for young believers like me. Midnight Oil brought a muscularly Australian perspective to the big music world that included U2 and Peter Gabriel. supported Diesel and Dust with significant international touring and emerged in 1990 with an even stronger and more aggressive album, Blue Sky Mining. lead single, Blue Sky Mine, again found universality in specificity as it dug into the Wittenew mine disaster in which thousands of Australians had been sickened or killed by exposure to blue asbestos. It was a powerful reminder that our dreams, our desire for a blue sky future, can be used against us if we're not careful. The candy star poppers fly to the shareholders. They're crossing their fingers, they pay the truth makers. The balance sheet is breaking up the sky. So I'm caught at the 
junction still waiting for medicine The sweat of my brow keeps on feeding the engine Hope the crumbs in my pocket can keep me for another night And if the blue sky mining company won't come to my rescue If the sugar refining company won't save me The album produced another hit single, Forgotten Years, which has been cited as one of the most powerful and influential songs for a wide range of artists, including Brandon Flowers of The Killers and Bono. While the lyrics specifically recalled the role volunteer soldiers from Australia played in World War I, the underlying message is even more powerful. We must not forget the pain of wars we have not personally experienced or the cost of ignorance or apathy when hateful fascist ideologies reemerge. I wish this song wasn't as relevant today as it was in 1990. singles, especially from Blue Sky Mining and Diesel and Dust, really only scratch the surface of the impact these albums had on me and many fans. Every song is important, every idea critical. Midnight Oil struck a nerve, creating edgy, difficult, confrontational art that burrowed deep into complicated issues, and unlike most artists, even those who dealt with political issues, Peter Garrett wasn't simply an agitator. He was an activist. He closely examined the problems and worked for solutions. He raised awareness, yes, but he also got his hands dirty. He ran for and eventually won elected office and later served as an appointee in the Australian Parliament. He was the equivalent of a U.S. Senator for almost 10 years. He put his first-rate education, including a law degree, to work. He didn't just write songs about the environment, the struggles of First Nations people, or corporate irresponsibility. He labored in those areas as Minister for the Environment and then Minister for Education. Who'd like to change the world? Who wants to shoot the curl? Who gets to work for bread? Who wants to get ahead? Who hands out equal rights? Who starts and ends that fight? And not rant and rave Or end up asleep who can make hard-won games Fall like a summer rain now Every man must be What his life can be So don't 
The band continued to put out great music throughout the 90s. Earth and Sun and Moon in 93 got all up in our faces with a chilling song called My Country. Their 1996 album, Breathe, brought some of their earlier surf rock sounds and images back to the fore, but with a darker, more brooding tone. Songs like Star of Hope and Bring on the Change referenced deeply spiritual themes, but presented them in a context that was bleak, challenging, and foreboding. Bones Hillman, who had been the band's bass player since 87, took center stage with his thunderous, distorted tones on that album as well as on Redneck Wonderland in 1998. The gloves really came off on that album. The title track blended electronic pop elements, which were all the rage in the late 90s, with a blistering riff and a scorching lyric that touched on themes of xenophobia and apathy. White Skin, Black Heart was always a standout track on this one, though. With Warren Livesey back in the producer's chair for the first time since he helmed Diesel and Dust and Blue Sky Mining, the oils found a necessary spark. one final studio album during that era, 2002's Capricornia, before Garrett announced he was done with musical pursuits, investing more of his time working as a public servant.
Midnight Oil reconvened occasionally over the past 20 years for benefit concerts and to call attention to certain social issues. A series of bootleg records and rarities were released until 2017 when the band reconvened for a world tour. They released a new live album called Armistice Day in 2018 taken from that tour and released a special collaborative project in 2020 called The Makarata Project on which they worked with a range of native Australian artists. Shortly after the death of bassist Bones Hillman, Midnight Oil released Resist, their first full-length collection of new studio material in 20 years. This set has everything fans have loved from the Oils, with zero punches pulled. Listening to Garrett deliver these songs, many written by Jim Mogini, with some help from the Oils' other principal songwriter, Hurst, I realize that it is sadly clear how little has changed in the world over this band's career. White supremacy, environmental hubris, the death of constructive politics, and general existential angst all swirl in this passionate, churning cauldron. What you see is an act of terror The bush surrenders to the ball and chain As the world becomes one The country comes undone High as the banks of the Darling River Dry as the bed of the inland sea As the world becomes one The country comes undone It's amazing how many artists have been influenced by Midnight Oil. R.E.M., Green Day, Crowded House, NXS, U2, Pearl Jam, The Cranberry, Smashing Pumpkins, Imagine Dragons, Patti Smith, Duran Duran, even Scorpions contributed to a cover of Beds Are Burning in protest of global warming and climate change. The Oils may be the most effective band to blend politics and rock, possibly because the issues they advocated for or against were all tethered to internal reflection and not mere finger-pointing. Midnight Oil earned the right to present complicated, earnest, thoughtful rock by backing up their words with consistent actions. It is especially hard to hear how tight, disciplined, and relevant Resist is as an album 
knowing that Midnight Oil is withdrawing from the world stage. The music is still with us, though, and these days, with all of the insanity going on around us, we need that music more than ever. Let's hope future generations of artists and activists will discover this essential group and allow these songs to work their way into their hearts and minds. starting to sound like the jukebox has a little too much sand in her gears, we'll let her rest for now, and after a quick break, I'll head back into the interview suite with more of my conversation with Propaganda. Hey there, I'm Mark Feldbush, and I'm a Patreon backer of the True Tunes podcast, and I follow and listen to the weekly Spotify gallery stage mixtape that John curates for us every week. I get to hear classic artists and discover new artists Every week, usually on Wednesdays, the mix is updated with around 40 songs from brand new releases to deep cuts and from across a wide range of genres including rock, Americana, indie, gospel, blues, sacred music, soul, and so much more. It's also great to hear a mix that blends up great music that is just good, beautiful, and true without all of the genre and market limitations and boxes I hear everywhere else. You can find the mix on the front page at truetunes.com or on the show notes page for this episode. And if you follow it, it will live there in your Spotify browser and update automatically each week. And don't miss the massive archive list where all previous lists get saved. And as great as Spotify is for music discovery, please support the artists you love once you hear and discover them there. Thanks. And now back to my conversation with Jason Propaganda Petty. start over. Lord Jesus, let the soil teach us. Maybe value trees like they give us the air we breathe. No truer words who can speak and not the equal, not to scream about the beef we got. Why do we even bother to try to solve problems when in 30 years we'll be out of fresh water? Empires rise 
and fall. Terror for us, start over, better for us all. I'm a hog to your summer solstice. I'm a beacon of all cultures. I'm a cosmic explorer. I'm a build a new world, big homie, terror for I'm a hog to your summer solstice. I'm a beacon of all cultures. It occurs to me that terraform or terraforming or however that word works in this metaphor is like building the kingdom. You say that, you know, it's it's kingdom over empire, kingdom yep. over temple, kingdom over uh, power. Yeah. Uh, I think that for people to really accept the invitation to get involved in the work of kingdom building, they have to be willing to leave the empire that's made their life pretty comfortable. Absolutely. And that's part of the role of artists, I think, is to sometimes, you know, upset the uh, yeah. comfortable, you know, as we've heard. Yeah. Um, so as a person of faith yourself, uh, has this journey that you've been on for the last 10, 15 years, uh, ha- have you had to go back and reexamine some aspects of your faith structure? Has there been oh, some rev- revising of things? Absolutely. A lot of stuff had to die. Um, you know, a lot of repenting, like going back and thinking about the way that I thought about my grandma's faith, my great grandma's faith as being like uninformed and, you know, and old and like, well, they don't know what they talk about. You know what I'm saying? And just not while at the same time, knowing in the back of my mind, man, some of these, these were some of the holiest people I ever met, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, having to go back and be like, man, I, I had such arrogance around, um, my knowledge, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. So I think that there was a lot of those, like I said, a lot of things have like hills I was willing to die on that. I'm like, this is just so absurd, man. You know, me deciding while I feel like, while well, you're looking at scripture while Jesus is like widening the fence continually, mm-hmm. I was narrowing the fence and being like, as as in who's who's welcome in, who's not. And I felt like it was my job, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right, right. To make sure to guard the fence, you know, and just yeah. being like, man, that's not like I said, like I'm I'm at a place now throughout this whole process of like, I how should I be in the world? You know what right. I'm saying? Right. What are the things that continue to rise to the top? Uh across time cultures you know religions even even going there and i'm like well that that's clearly divine like that's what because it keeps coming up like i'm like Mm -hmm. this must be what jesus meant you know what i'm saying i'm like because look there it is Mm -hmm. you know um so yeah so like a lot of the i don't know is that maybe dogma is the term is uh it's just stale and uninteresting to me you know Mm -hmm. um i'm just so much more interested again in like what is our way of how do you become fully human because i'm like this that was what if i'm reading my scripture right like that was those god's desire for us yeah we all in with me is all in no outsider everybody all in you guessed it whole crowd is a guest list i suggest you relax when cali native get restless I know different cause I was shown different yeah. But the truth is I am no, no different, different. No different. We move as 
as a unit. The whole plan is the movement. If y'all ain't here with us, then it ain't worth doing it. It's unison, Nubian, Sufian. I ain't choose sides, I won't disturb the grooving. I know it's a mind bender. Introduce you to the end of the tribalist. We ain't do it on our own. We refuse to celebrate alone. Collectivo, E for effecto. You kill them with kindness, then invite them to ride and say. When the whole team pull up, when the whole team pull up, say. Yeah. When the whole team pull up, say. Yeah. Let's toast to all that we've been through. Celebrate the things that ain't kill you. When the whole team pull up. There's so much conversation now amongst people who grew up in some sort of religious tradition and are having to rethink the whole thing. Some of them are jettisoning it altogether. Some are tweaking it. Um, but the brand name of deconstruction has become both a trigger for some people to think, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened in the world. And for some people, sort of a comfortable place to, to be able to escape to and not have to think about this tension. What, I, what re- is remarkable to me in reading your book is you are breaking things down. You are doing the actual intellectual, spiritual work of deconstructing certain ideas with the intent for it mm. to be reconstructed in a truer way. I think the term, the term is Gunger in 2011. You know right. what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, like I like y'all just now talking about, you know what right, I'm saying? So exactly. I'm like, it's not, I, the fact that it's in a zeitgeist now to me is, is, is more comical and a sign of like, like sort of white Western evangelicals disconnect with the culture, period. Like your finger is not on the pulse. You know what I'm saying? Like you 10 years late. You know, so I think there's so to me, there's that, you know, I also think in those who have put that sort of like that umbrella term together, they're talking about, a again, like a very white Western evangelical experience. So when you say deconstruction, they talk about that, yeah. you know what I'm saying, which is something that's, that I can relate to. But that wasn't my experience. A lot of the stuff that they let go of, I didn't. I never embraced like that was never a part of my experience. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, that, but that's been trash. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I didn't, I wasn't like, I didn't come from like a purity culture. Like I didn't, you know what I'm saying? Like we just didn't come from that. So, um, so there's that, but as far as a person willing to check and recheck and reexamine, you know, I, I think a lot of that has to do with like, I don't think it should be done in a vacuum. I think, I think a lot of that has to do with, also your therapy you know what i'm saying and mm-hmm. and your own sort of like analysis of yourself and, and your own mental health in addition to the things that you believe because i so i think that when those things are done together then they're done for the purpose of like what i was trying to say again is like of imagining a different future you know um i'm not gonna punt the faith because i'm mad you know what i'm saying right. but i'm also not gonna hold on to something that i know is destroying me you know what I'm saying? So right. I think that those two things need to be done in conjunction. You know what I'm saying? And I think that like God is big enough for your doubts. Like right. I don't think that there should be any fear around that. Um, but there also needs to be that self-examination of like, man, some of this may not be. And just being able to weed through. That's why I was like done in, in the context of therapy, because I think some of it might just be. Some of it might be you, you know what I'm saying? Some of it might be your particular church. Some of it might be, you know what I'm saying, a combo of A and B where it's like, it's you plus this toxic behavior, you know what I'm saying? And right. and being able to 
wrestle through all of those particular sort of particulars, you know what I mean? Um, but I'm like, look, dude, like, I'm not a, like, I'm not afraid of, I'm not afraid of questions. I'm not afraid of, and you shouldn't be either. Like, because you having them anyway. Like, that's the other part is like, you having your, you, the doubts are there already. So I don't like, right. you acting like you ain't got them is, is just destroying you. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. you already right. got them. So like, go down the rabbit trail. It's fine. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't want reconciliation, I want your gun Take the privilege and power, then I'll pass it to my son Do I believe my enemies are too far from grace? My idea of a safe space is just Pray to my savior, middle finger to my neighbor Create a theology that helps promote that behavior I'm an activist who hates change I'm a doctor who wants pain I'm a charity who profits off the generous I am Jonah who wants the fall of Nineveh Pendulum swinging, narrow mind Minded, ignore the middle, screaming for peace, turn around and I sell the missiles. Herpy pride is pain, idols and struggle whores. Don't appropriate my space, we can argue who struggles more. He said disagreement doesn't mean that I hate you. If you're intolerant of my views, then what does that make you? Cynical. Please cynical. don't take too kindly to be inside. Yeah, I think that makes me cynical. Inside. Yeah. I'll hate you if I feel you. Yeah. I'm cynical. cynical blind so if I sound cynical. If I sound cynical, if I sound cynical, it's cause I'm cynical. You say towards the end of the book, um, when you're talking about, and you're, you, I love how you throw yourself under the bus constantly with uh, you know, <laughs> accounts of your own uh, struggles or failures. But when you're talking about the challenge of, of trying to work this out, but also be an artist, and an artist has to sell something to make them to keep making art. You say, on the other hand, I am also a mission-driven artist. I'm not just selling stuff because it will sell. I believe in something higher, and that my music and my art is a way to bring people into that place. You know something higher i loved the homework assignments that you gave i wonder if you could think of a homework assignment for artists for creatives um that would include this idea of terraform of making something but specifically related to people who make creative things how would you any kind of advice or counsel or inspiration you would have for those folks wow i would say man what would be a good example probably like create from an opposite perspective of what you hold dear. You know what I'm saying? Like what's the, on the other hand position. And if you could like, just in your own journal or sketchbook, be like, yo, write out that opposite opinion. Hmm. Could you articulate it? Could you do it creatively? You know what I'm saying? Um, getting yourself into like that person's sort of shoes and kind of understanding how they got to that conclusion. And just being able to like get yourself into that position where you're like, yo, I would never do that. And it's like, well, would really, mm. really you wouldn't. So like, I'd say a challenge would be like, yeah, create from that perspective of something that you think you'd never do, you know, and be like, well, why would someone mm -hmm. land there? You know? Yeah. Almost kind of sounds like, I think what you called prophetic imagination. Yeah. It's a deep sixth sense, you know it when you see it Multiverse, being it before I could feel it Grandmama voice say, listen to the spirit God don't lie to you Some don't sit right Some don't feel right Man, something inside say Y'all better slide till your mind be quiet 
<laughs> Discernment permanent, verdict indeterminate. I ain't got a word for it, but you know it when you heard it. Yeah, you feel me, real me, I ain't crazy, maybe. I ain't got no receipts on theology to base me. You've been it before, though, twice or more so. Advice you forego, despite the voice of your most of rallies in your life you known for. Most of your known time in your mind. You can't explain it, but do it all change. If you take this step, it'll never be the same. I remember the first time I met you, I think, was you played a showcase at South by Southwest probably 10 years ago. It just popped up on my Facebook memory because we took mm. it. You and Lecrae. But I remember you saying something about, when I asked you about rap and your music, you said you were a poet. You, you kind of were framing yourself more as a poet and not as a rapper. And then I watched how your show then was a little bit more like spoken word with some music Tell me about your musical evolution. And now you seem to be comfortable calling yourself a rapper and a musician. How has that evolution from poet to rapper been for you? If I'm even understanding that right. Yeah, I mean, I started off like hardcore battle rap, freestyle, you know, underground backpacker. Um, and then I discovered poetry. And I felt like poetry made me a better writer, just period, you know. Um, kind of like... And then it was more like, yeah, you're just kind of following the cloud. You know what I'm saying? Like this, it's working. You know what I mean? And I feel like, and I'm enjoying it. But my first love, my original native tongue, was always like hip hop, like rapping. And were you doing? Were you doing stuff with Tunnel Rats? Originally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the crew. So um, coming from that, I think if there was a a time where I was trying to figure out how to meld them two things and and to be honest about all of it. It's like, I think, you know, I think in a lot of ways, I'm not a pure anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not a pure poet. I'm also not a pure rapper. You know what I'm saying? So like, there's this um, part of me that really couldn't like get my head around like, well, who is propaganda? And I think even during that time at South by, like I was still trying to figure out Still trying to figure that out you know what i'm saying and i think at that moment i was like leaning so much more into the poetry part because i felt like i like the direction rap was going you know i was like I, that doesn't resonate with me like i don't i don't want to make music this way you know i want to make music the way i want to make music you know what i'm saying and i think that like i was like but what's getting me on these stages i think is the uniqueness of somebody that can do both but leans this way, you feel me? So I think that like, I was like, in, like I said, in the process of finding out, like finding who propaganda was um, and is. I think today it's definitely, I'm still like multidisciplinary. I think I hold the terms much looser these days of like, well, I'm a poet, well, I'm a rapper, well, I'm an author, I'm like, oh, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. so I think I've just, I've gotten to a place now, like if you ask me 10 years later to where it's like, like I said, like it's just multidisciplinary. Like I don't, I don't feel the need to claim any of them, but if it makes them, but if somebody needs to call me a rapper, then yes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> sure, somebody sure, needs sure. to call me an author. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I like, I yeah. think now it's more like, I just kind of hold it loosely, you know? That show you did that night slayed. I mean, that, the, Thanks, man. it seemed like very few people in that club knew who you or Lecrae were. Yeah. And what I remember was just, 
everybody was kind of the same. They, they weren't bad, but it was just kind of one level of quality and sounded the same. And then you came out and did your thing and it got everybody's attention. Like, what is this? I, it reminded me of arrested development and some of the De La totally. so some of the stuff from, but, but then you, you had just a confidence in that space that was really, really remarkable. Then Lecrae came out and did his thing and, and he just mopped the place up. Like these, I was standing in the back with a bunch of people that didn't know who either of you guys were. And they were freaked out when you played, like yeah. you guys raised the bar and, and that was in a mainstream as, as mainstream an environment as you could get, like, you know? Yeah, um, I think, yeah. Like the, my, my, obviously like my competitive streak was like, yeah, you're watching all this happen. And I'm like, I'm gonna stand out. I was like, oh, I know what songs I'm gonna do. Like, I'm gonna do something. Like you said, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go all the way left. Y'all going right. Everybody doing yeah. this. I'm gonna go left, you know? Right. And, um, and, I, and again, like, like you said, like you knew I come from the tunnel rats. So like, that was more of the environment we came from than playing any church. Like I'm much, at the time, I was very uncomfortable playing in churches. It's not that I didn't believe what I, I was going to do something inappropriate. It was just like, that's just not familiar to me. I'm mm -hmm. familiar with these underground scenes, you know what I'm saying, where you have to, like, win the crowd. Right. So I was like, that's what I was coming in with. Like, okay, this, I know this. Like, watch, I'm finna murder this. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So I tend to think of life in terms of movie clips or or tweetable moments, somehow I've convinced myself they last longer that way. And my wife proved me wrong when she referred to my phone as my black wife. Now, I thought it was funny. I mean, we, we both giggled. Now, single men take notes. Now, I'm no expert, but I don't think she was kidding. She talked about some other stuff, which I really don't remember. I was too busy in my head composing a tweet where I would quote her with some sort of clever hashtag about marriage and about how much I love her to be paying attention to her at that moment. I think what snapped me back in was the silence, which indicated I was supposed to have some sort of response to whatever she was talking about. I told my father that story in hopes to get a little sympathy, my father civil rights and Vietnam War vet, hopelessly charming on his fourth marriage father. <laughs> and rather than the customary nod that men give each other when they understand, he proceeded to tell me why he failed as my mother's husband. He said it was the same reason half of his platoon died in Vietnam and the same reason you are deathly afraid of your daughter becoming a teenager's son. You can't hear past the explosions, either the ones that already happened or the ones you anticipate. See, the former paralyzes. Living life in a rear view mirror, driving full speed across traffic into the center divider. So shell-shocked, you too stupid to duck when bullets are flying or the latter. Your life a game of capture the flag. So focused on the finish line, you stepped right on a landmine. So ready to attack the day. Frustrated cause you can't find your keys. Focused on the meetings you finna miss and the traffic you finna sit in to realize you've been holding your keys the whole time. Slow down. You also do a lot of collaborations, which is very consistent with that scene as well. In fact, the new song that just came out, uh, Cold Outside, 
Yeah. It's funny. I, I was at an event here in town last weekend and I ended up kind of, I was supposed to be doing one thing. I was supposed to be playing some songs and then just talking to people during their lunch break. And this is a conference of folks who are kind of, um, rethinking their faith in a very critical way but it was a small crowd and it, it was so cold outside and we did we set my stuff up i literally had a record blow off my turntable wow. like in the wind um and so i was like well this isn't going to work so i i made a spotify playlist and i saw cold outside i had not even listened to it yet yeah i just threw it in there and it was so perfect for That's that because everybody's freezing and they're like what is this song this yeah. is it has a great groove to it tell me about the song and the and the collaboration on this one and just how you look at working with so many different artists across so many oh i my it's really answers super easy to me about collaborations i'm like are they dope do i like them are we gonna make something dope yes let's ride you know dante just dm'd me i never met dante was the driver on that it's hard to tell from spotify yeah he just dm'd me he was like i got a song i think you'd be dope on and i was like are you like do you know who i like are you familiar you know who i am and he, he was like yeah well like that's why i'm hitting you like and i was like all right so he sent me the thing and I was like, okay. So I was like, I didn't, you know, I knew he was, I knew heard his name before, but like, I don't know, Matt, I don't know, I don't know none of that music, right. you know what I'm saying? So then I like looked him up and I was like, ah, oh, he cold. Like this, my, I, look, I'm sleep. Like, I didn't know, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so, but then I was like, this sound much, what do you want to do on this? This don't sound like, this don't <laughs> right. sound like that. So I was like, okay, is this what we doing? Like, now you sure you want me on this? Cause like, I'm a do me, you know? Right. And he was like, yes, this is what I want. And I'm like, all right, let's go. You know, so we did it. This was uh, last year. I think he, he sent it to me. We did it last year. Um, and yeah, it just came out. Yo, Babylon chant down. Listen at me right now. Granny said the time to make your voices heard is right now. We ain't make it through these generations thinking him down. Sit inside a massa house could do a ting for kinfolk. Real people, real folk, chill folk had blood spill, no words spoke. None of y'all pastors are y'all church folk. No people asking me why I still believe. But empires crumble when the conqueror sings. Elohim and SMC, y'all can keep y'all industry. A pacifist. I ain't afraid to pick up sticks, leave me alone Got the magic of my forefathers in my bones Making something out of nothing just to feed their homes No one on the corner got flavor like us Y'all can copy our style but can't take our smiles No one on the corner got favor like us Breath of jaw fills these black lungs with life Well man, thank you for being here Real, real quick, if folks are gonna travel to see you like an audio feed or other thing what's a what's a propaganda show like these days bro uh it's been a while so i'm probably gonna be so excited um but yeah it's a hybrid of rap and poetry you know i've seen i try to keep the hills and valleys ebbs and flows um you're gonna sweat but you also gonna like really really think like i'm hoping you walk away in tears to be honest tears of joy awesome well i look forward to that i can't wait Thanks for being with us today, man. Really yeah, man. Thanks for having me, um. Everything I need, manufacturing friends, making up lies to impress strangers. Get that key light right, fix them angles, fix them angles. I'm from the city of angels, guilty as charged, I get so charged. FOMO driven, that kind of living, ain't life giving, it's hype killing. I like to be chilling, but I ain't willing to slow down already. But everything I need, hmm. let me 
remind you of your family And if it's like the one I come from I know they all dysfunctional But you come from something, bruh Air inside your lungs And particles of stardust Let me cure your wanderlust Let me cure your wanderlust Everything you need Already It's right here It's right now Thanks, Prop. I will see you at Audio Feed. We'll be back with some final thoughts after this. True Tunes is on the road. I've been to Indiana, California, Tennessee, Iowa, and Illinois so far, and we are currently looking at opportunities around the country. These conversations have been a lot of fun, with me bringing a turntable and some records and a guitar, and often finding artists or other special guests to join me. I've also done songwriting workshops, music business clinics, and even some conversations about how we can slow ourselves down and listen to music more carefully, more thoughtfully, and yes, more spiritually. So there's kind of something for everyone. You can follow all of the action at truetunes.com slash events. And if you would be interested in having me come speak in your neck of the woods, drop me a line at jjt at truetunes.com and let me know. I'm also excited to be aligning with the Porchlight Network for house shows. Porchlight is a growing network of house show venues around the country, and you can learn more at porchlight.art. So, for house shows, look me up at Porchlight. For schools, venues, churches, or other opportunities, just connect with me directly. As I pull out my soapbox, I'm thinking about the importance of music that moves me. I'm not merely talking about being moved emotionally, mind you, though that is obviously critical for any music, but what does it take for music to actually move me from here to there, to move my mind into new ideas, move my body to get involved, to just generally challenge me to do something and not merely listen? On stage, Peter Garrett was known for a strange, jerky kind of dance, as if the music and the ideas were pulsing through his body looking for a way out. It was odd, to be sure, but I could relate to it too. It was awkward, but celebratory. It moved me. As a fan of alternative music in the 80s, I was used to artists aligning themselves with political and social issues. I grew up in the age of Live Aid and Farm Aid, Amnesty International, and other organizations commanding attention. In some cases, the call to action was simply to give money to a cause. Some artists wanted to raise awareness about a particular issue, like, say, nuclear proliferation in the 70s, apartheid in the 80s, or the HIV-AIDS tragedy in the 90s. Rock the Vote wanted to move us to register and vote. I remember proudly buying a No Nukes sticker at a local band show when I was a teen. Being opposed to nukes was cool, and it cost me nothing. All I had to do was put a sticker on my car or guitar case. Not much movement there. But some artists use their work to provoke real engagement amongst their fans. Glenn Kaiser and the Res Band folks in Chicago inspired me to volunteer at homeless shelters and community centers, and to think more carefully about difficult topics like the death penalty, materialism, and even torture. They moved me to write to my elected representatives. They moved me to give some of the small amount of money I had to help the least of these. I first heard about child sponsorship through musicians and have given to organizations like Vision Trust, Compassion, World Vision, and others since I was a teen. I was excited to actually travel to Ecuador to see how sponsorship had transformed several communities. Midnight Oil moved me in a different way, first by challenging some of the shallow political ideologies I had been handed, and then daring to connect things like corporate greed, political misinformation, and the manipulation of people's fears and insecurities to deep caverns of need in my own heart and mind. I was moved to get involved with refugee resettlement in my hometown of Aurora, Illinois, through our church. 
When I helped a new arrival from the Congo, I was reminded of the kinds of injustice Midnight Oil had been telling me about for years. Instead of just being moved emotionally, I allowed my heart to move my feet and hands. I won't read the entire chapter, but James 1 looms large as I think about this stuff. After talking about the importance of perspective, reminding us that trials and tribulations are not to be avoided, but to be embraced as they form us, I cringe when I think about how quick I am to try to escape pain. James also lays out a perilous but beautiful challenge to the wealthy, reminding us of what true wealth is and what our responsibilities are. He reminds us that all good gifts come from above. He challenges us in verse 19 to be quick to hear, but slow to speak and slow to become angry. Then in the culmination of that first chapter, he challenges us to not simply be people who hear the word, but who do something about what we hear. That's where blessing lies. As I think about my conversation with Propaganda, and I honestly cannot recommend his book Terraform highly enough, he is challenging me to build community that is hospitable to life. That's not going to happen by merely hearing from him. It's like watching a home improvement show on TV, hoping that it will somehow remodel your bedroom for you. No, if we hear real beauty, real truth, real goodness, it will move us to action of one kind or another. Lots of music has moved me emotionally. Midnight Oil moved my body, and not just to try that crazy dance Peter Garrett is known for. No, they moved me into action. Protest music is important, but music that points us in a direction and says, okay, go build something beautiful. That's what we need more of in our lives. Maybe that's the kind of dance we're being called to. And yeah, to some it might look strange, but rather than worry about shallow appearances, let's be moved by the man who made himself of no reputation. Okay, I'm stepping off my soapbox now. going to do it for this episode of the podcast make sure to check out the show notes page for the list of songs you heard here and a lot more thanks to propaganda for challenging us and moving us and doing it with such humor grace and grit thanks to my co-producer collaborator and editor bruce a brown for helping to bring this show into the world i don't think i ever would have gotten off my butt and done this whole thing if bruce hadn't both challenged me to and then offered to join me Thanks also to Phil Keggy and Rex Paul for our theme song and a special nod to Jeff Elbell for some help on the Midnight Oil feature. Please give us a review and a rating at Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about the show. Find and follow our weekly Spotify mix. Sign up on our email list. We've got some amazing stuff in store. The contents of this podcast are protected by U.S. copyright law and are the intellectual property of Gyroscope Productions, with the exception of songs or clips that are from previously copywritten materials. Everything on this episode is used by permission or under fair use provisions. The program is intended for the private use of our listening audience. Gyroscope Productions can be reached at jjt at truetunes.com or P.O. Box 60401, Nashville, Tennessee 37206. Until next time, this is JJT reminding you that, as the old blues song tells us, when the Lord gets ready, you gotta move. There's still much work to be done. Peace. precious, important human being.